Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. We are the co-hosts of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide haagen vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no one. No one. <laughs> our preferred vacuum brands of which we have multiples and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick. And this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. I am literally shooketh that I am recording this episode with orange hair. Now, orange hair might sound like an overstatement, and it's not exactly orange right now. It was orange. It was orange. And if you follow my Instagram, you saw the receipts. But it is currently like amber. Like it has like this golden hue to it or this brown hue. It's yellow. It's just not right. It is not right. And my wedding is days, days away. I wanted to hop on quickly and just kind of give you the story time because it's absurd. And I mean, why not? Also, this episode is about the anxious bride and all of the messiness and crazy and stress that happens. So I thought it was the perfect intro and actually perfect timing. Not that I wanted this to happen to my hair, but hey, silver linings. So a lot of you were messaging me, like, how did this happen? Did you go to a new colorist? Like, literally, how does this happen, Vic? Like, the days before your wedding. Well, no, I did not go to a new colorist. I went to the same colorist who has colored my hair for nine years. Nine years. I actually found this colorist when they were correcting the mistake of someone when I was, like, I think in high school. And so I never left. In hindsight, I probably should have left a while ago because, I mean, I live in LA and I should have ventured and tried other things. But long story short, I've been going to the same colorist for nine years. So I go in for my bridal hair highlight appointment, which they told me to schedule the week or two before my wedding, said that was like perfect timing. I said, great. So I go in and I literally am just like, yeah, let's do the normal touch up. Just want some fresh highlights. But I did pull up a photo and I said, I don't want these streaks, like these highlights. And the highlights I was pointing at were like the really bright pieces that frame your face, like the one and the two. And I was just like, I don't want these because if I decide to do an updo at the rehearsal dinner or I pull my hair back, like it looks very streaky. So I just don't want these. 
great. We're good to go. My colorist also like, isn't a big communicator. Like one of those people that you just kind of like show a picture and they're like, "Mm -hmm," and then they start. So that's just the dynamic. So I just kind of always go with that. It's never been different than that. Anyways, they start and long story short, I'm getting shampooed and I'm holding my selfie phone up just to see like how it looks wet. And it looks orange. And I'm like, what? And I take this photo and I send it to Aubrey and I'm like, my hair looks orange, like trying not to panic. And then I go to dry it because I just get highlights and then I dry it myself quickly to check the color. I don't pay for the blowout. (laughs) Me, I'm like, I'll pay hundreds of dollars for highlights, but I won't pay for the $60 blowout. So I'm blowing it out and I notice it's orange and I'm trying to keep cool. And I'm the type of person in this situation where like, I'm pretty level-headed. I am not going to like start crying and start screaming and say, what happened? Like, what did you do? Like, I am drying it and I'm like, okay, okay, it's wrong. It's really wrong. It's okay. We're going to fix it. And so I go in at, I believe my appointment was 830 in the morning. It's now like 930. I then dry it and I go over and I'm like, it looks orange, right? And the colorist is like, what? What are you talking about? Like, it's like golden. And I am... I feel like I'm kind of being gaslit, which by the way, you'd think that they would be the one to say, oh my God, yeah, the color didn't come out right. I go to the receptionist and I'm like, does this look orange to you? And she's like, yeah, I see what you're saying. And so I'm like, thank you. I just needed one person to validate me. I go back and I'm like, this is not right. Honestly, it's kind of blurry as I think about it now. I'm just like, we need to fix this. You need to fix it. Like, this isn't the color that I had. Like, let's fix this. Long story short, I am there for another three hours, four hours. I ended up not leaving until two and I got in at 8.30 and this colorist attempted to fix it twice, two different times. So I had literally shampooed my hair. Like if I'm shampooing it twice each time, it's like two, four, six, six times. I just, I I mean, I'm in there and you guys, when I say it's kind of a blur right now, it's kind of a blur. And like when everyone around you kind of keeps it calm, you're kind of keeping it calm. And like, I have the awareness to recognize I don't want to be this crazy bride. That's like, it's my wedding hair. And I'm like throwing a fit and there's all these people in the salon. And like, I'm just like, okay, I'll keep it cool. They're going to put this gloss on or they're going to fix it. So long story short, it's just not getting fixed. And the attitude in there is so lax. And like, I just don't feel like the people are like, okay, what do you want? And how can we fix it? Like, it was so wild, you guys. It was the weirdest thing. And then eventually we're at a place where like, it's fucked up. And I'm just like, okay, at this point, I've been here all day. I rescheduled like all my calls, my meetings, my work day. I thought I was going to 8.30, going to leave at 9.30 and have a work day. So I am just like, after my sixth shampoo and my however many hours in there, I'm just like, you know what? I And I'll never forget. The colorist was like, feet kicked up, like laying down by one of the like sinks where they wash you just like very chill talking to their clients. And I'm just like, like my hair is wrong. And I, at this point, I just want to leave. Oh, by the way, I was crying. The second time they were shampooing me, I start crying because I'm just like sitting there as they wash it. Like, oh my God, like my hair is ruined. It's the wrong color. A sweet haircut woman came over and was holding my hands, but still I'm just like, anyways, so now it's two o'clock and I'm like, I just want to leave. And meanwhile, there's some other women in there just totally gaslighting me. Like it looks beautiful. Oh my God, you would look beautiful. And I'm just like, it's not right. And I'm, I'm at this point, I'm pissed, but I'm just like, like I said, I'm not someone who blows up unless it's like, 
if I think something is permanently ruined, sure, I will blow up. But here I'm like, okay, let me try to keep it calm. Like, and I don't know if I need this colorist to like help resolve the problem. So the last thing I want to do is like blow up in their face and then be like, I can't, I can't go back and they can't help me, but I I don't want to pay. Oh, hell no. You think I'm paying $375 for orange hair, which already is a ridiculous amount to pay for highlights. No way. So I walk to the front desk. I'm like, I hope that I don't have to pay for this. And the woman's like, let me check. Goes back. They say, okay, we can shave off the $75. So it's just 300. I'm like, no. I'm like, can you call the colorist over? Cause like, I didn't want to go back and make a scene where everyone's around in the salon. I was like, can you just call them to the desk? And I say, look, I've been coming here for nine years. This is not the like experience I wanted. I've been here all day. I postponed my whole work day to stay here for you to correct this. It's still not right. I'm not paying. And you know, they were like, okay, like, you know, like that's totally fine. Like doesn't like confrontation. Like I said, not communicative, whatever. So I leave. And the moment I leave, I just start hysterically crying. And I call my mom who I haven't told any of this to, because my original plan was I'll just go home and see if Lainey notices anything. But now I'm like, I can't even like believe that this is where I am. I call my mom hysterically crying. She's like, okay, okay, come over. She comes over. We're game planning. Long story short, like I'm just in this pickle. Do I go Like I've never had anyone else color my hair for nine years. I can't even believe this happened. I'm not going to go to some random person I've never met before and have them color my hair like the week before my wedding. So then I'm just like, okay, I need to go back to this colorist because I've never gone anywhere else. So then I text him. I'm like, please, I need to, no, I don't even say please. I, my mom tells me, you say I'm coming tomorrow at 8am. Like, please fix it. So I, I text that they're like, all right. So I go at 8 a.m. the next day, I'm like, okay, the vibes are good. I'm like, they're going to fix it. It's nine years. Like they know what they did. They can reverse their mistake. They're all calm. Oh yeah, I can reverse it. Whatever. Sit here. And long story short, I mean, two hours later, it's kind of fixed. It's fixed enough that the orange is gone. And my mom and I are like, oh my God. Yay. We're like, we're like relieved. So we're like, okay, we're good to go. And then I leave And as I'm leaving, I'm just like, I don't feel right. Like, I feel like I settled. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I was just like excited that it was back to normal. So I kind of went along with like the excitement on my mom's face and everyone in the salon and the colorist. And so I, I, whatever I left and people, I still, to this day, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I got this color. I I could not get a straight answer. They weren't owning up to their mistake. Like it's ridiculous. I I think, oh, they ended up saying, this is why I told you about this, the highlights I said that I didn't want. They ended up making a joke like, oh, well, I think I got thrown off when you showed me that photo of the highlights you didn't want. I I was looking at how white they were. And so I tried to like offset it by going gold. I should have thought about it longer. (laughs) I'm like, ha ha. It's my wedding hair. You should have thought about it longer. Like, holy, I mean, I just can't even. So I don't know. I think it was either like they they glossed at me with gold and it turned orange. The girl who's going to fix my hair thinks they just took my highlights out too soon. So they didn't lift all the way. I don't know. I don't know how it got this color. That whole night, I'm just not feeling right about it. And then that night I couldn't even like go to sleep thinking about it. And then the next morning I was like afraid to look in the mirror because I was like, it's still wrong. I drive to Cubby's and I'm like, Cubby, I'm like, cause she hasn't seen my hair yet. I'm like, can you see what I see? And she's like, I can see what you see, Vic. So then I was just like, fuck, I'm in this position where my hair is ruined. I've given this person multiple opportunities to fix it. At this point, four, four opportunities since the original color. 
and they haven't done it. So I'm like, I can't go back. And I'm like, who the hell do I go see? Like no one has done my hair. They don't know my original color. No one cares about me, by the way. Like, I'm just going to like, when I say care about me, it's like, what colorist who's like a top colorist is going to clear their schedule and squeeze me in and then care enough to like fix this perfectly for me where when I feel like the most important day of my life like is here. Quick pause. I know that I've talked on Real Pod about like aesthetic and the pressure of like looking the best you've ever looked. I still stand by that. I think there's a difference between this pressure to look the best you've ever looked and like have the best makeup and the best eyelashes and the best like and have a dr- your dream body. That's something I don't subscribe to. What I do subscribe to is feeling like myself. I want to feel like myself. And my hair has always been the same color. And if my hair is not that color, like I I don't feel like myself. I don't feel comfortable. So I think there is a difference between the, oh my God, I have to look perfect for my wedding. Like that's not this. This is, I want to look like myself. So I fully warrant and support myself for like the the passion I feel about wanting my hair to be perfect. Like I'm not just going to want my hair to be a color it's never been in my life. Long story short, I got to wrap this up so we can get to the episode today. But I spent the weekend pretty much crying and very, very sad trying to game plan what was next. I ended up posting about it on Instagram last night. And I'm actually so glad that I did that. I think when I go through something, I don't post about it right away because I feel like I have to deal with it myself. But in doing that, I forget that I have this amazing community of all of you who like really want to help me and make me feel better and can help me find solutions. And so I post about it and the sweet woman who cuts my hair, Josie, she FaceTimes me immediately. She's like, I can fix this. Like she does color. I guess I never thought to myself that Josie does color because she always cuts my hair. So she FaceTimes me and she's like, I can fix this. She's like, I could cry for you. You know, the reason I got into color is because I, I want everyone's color to be perfect. But I was getting tons of DMs from people, like other influencers being like, this is my colorist, go to this person. So she was like, do your research. Like I want, you know, look at everyone's account, make the best decision you can make. Because look, once I go see this next person, like, I mean, I'm in deep. There's not going to be three, four other colorists I can see. Like this decision matters. Anyways, I just was so warmed by the fact that like, Josie cuts my hair. So she knows me as a person. She cares about me. The fact that she said, go research other people was like such a green flag, right? Not like I need to do it, but like, no matter what you choose, I just want you to have the best hair. So then last night I'm like in the DMS with all these celebrity colorists. Some of them are like, okay, here's what we have to do. We're going to do a root thing. Some are like, you need to get a haircut before you even come to me because the haircut, you know, tells the story of how we're going to color it. I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't want like this whole new hair. I don't want, I don't even want the best hair of my life. I just want it not to be Amber and I want it to be the color it's always been. So in my gut, I'm really feeling like I want to go with Josie. I'm like, Josie knows me. She FaceTime me. She knows my, she cuts my mom's hair. Like she's like, you know, the closest to someone caring about me that I feel like I can trust at this point. I just want to trust someone. We don't have a lot of time. Time is ticking. I need to trust you and know that you are going to just at least make it better than it is now. And these other big celebrity people, like they're just not responding quickly. They're going to, they're like, they can squeeze me in, but it's like, it's not really what they want to do. Okay. So I'm just like, well, yeah. So I had to make this decision. What do I want to do? I am going to go with Josie. I just feel like in my gut, I need to go to someone I think I can trust and I can be myself with. And I don't want to be squeezed in by some celebrity colorist who an influencers hooked me up with. And like, it doesn't matter to them as much as it matters to me. Anyways, I text Josie and I'm like, okay, I want to take you up on that. Like, I'm going to come see you Wednesday. And she literally texted me. Let me read the text because like this made me so happy last night. 
She said, try to be relaxed and calm. It is my life mission to fix your hair perfect for your wedding. Oh, I just texted back. I love you in all caps. Like she told me she was going to go. She was like, Victoria, I will perform surgery. I will go strand by strand and pull out all of the orange hair and we will fix it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I'm going to go in tomorrow. And that is my crazy hair story. Anyways, look, I have perspective. I know it's hair. I know that there's bigger things in the world, but this is my podcast. So I thought that I would share it. So I will keep you all posted and we're going to get into the episode today. And this episode, this is perfect timing. And I can't wait for you to hear all about our guest today. One of my dear friends and fellow content creators, Clara Machaki, also known as Clara and herself, just had her gorgeous wedding this past summer. She has lived to tell the tale. Clara is as real as it gets. She is a mental health advocate. She's faced her own struggles with an eating disorder, borderline personality disorder, anxiety. So she's the perfect person to really pull back the curtain and let us know what really goes on and kind of normalize these experiences for brides or anyone in any sort of event type situation who might be feeling this way. Without further ado, let's dive into this conversation with the beautiful, the brilliant, the honest, Clara Machaki. Clara, welcome to RealPod. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so happy to be here. We have had so many FaceTimes, phone calls about our weddings. I remember we were sending each other photos of our dresses like a long time ago, which was so fun to just have a friend in like another state in another world who you could just share everything with. Right. Wasn't that fun? No, that was so fun. And also just like seeing people like on the internet, really wanting to see what your dress looked like. And then just kind of being like, aha. I I know. (laughs) I felt the same way. You released a YouTube video and like didn't reveal the dress. And I was like, I know what it is. Well, congratulations on your wedding. Now you've, you've lived it. We loved it. It looked beautiful. You are here to tell the tale, give us some advice and some insight. And also for us to kind of compare and contrast experiences because everyone's bridal experience is so different and there's like so many expectations put on it as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially with like social media telling you all the advice in the world and it just gets so overwhelming sometimes. So when you think about the wedding planning process, if we like rewind to, okay, you just got engaged. Now we're beginning wedding planning. What were your hopes going into it? And like, how would you summarize the experience? Well, honestly, going into it, like, you know, you get engaged, you're on cloud nine for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like I've never been so happy in my life. I was so excited. I think I made like all my accounts on all the wedding planning websites, like immediately, like probably the day after I got engaged, I was like, I'm ready to take this on. And it was so fun in the beginning. And I remember thinking that I didn't understand why anybody got stressed out wedding planning or like why it was overwhelming for anyone, because it was such a happy and exciting thing. Of course, like you're marrying the love of your life that how could anyone ever get upset? And as the process went on, it got like more and more clear why a lot of brides struggle with stress. And I guess like towards the end of it, I was, my anxiety was out of control. Mm. Absolutely. By the time I got to my wedding. So I would say definitely lots of ups and downs in my wedding planning process. It's so true. Before you started all, you're like, I'm not going to be that bride. Like who cares? Me last week crying over wooden versus acrylic stir sticks with my mom. True story. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, we're crying over stir sticks. This is so 
stupid. But it's like you put so much time, energy, effort, not to mention like money into this day. It's like you do want it to be perfect. Exactly. And also like because of the way I think our society is structured, like I don't know about you, but I grew up watching like Disney movies, like weddings. Like that was like my thing. Like if somebody else dreamed about like being in the Super Bowl or like being a rocket scientist, like I practiced being a bride. So like I was like, a little girl with like my bouquet, Aww. like walking down a fake aisle. I literally had a house with a Greek statue at the end of this like walkway. And I would pretend it was my husband and like walk up to it and like do the whole wedding thing. So that obviously creates like insane amounts of pressure for one day, the best day ever, but like one day, really. Totally. And something that I love about you and obviously your content and that we have in common is like, you know, being open about our mental health and body image issues and past eating disorders and those things, like you mentioned the anxiety that you had during the process. It's like, if you take someone who's usually have like, has stable mental health or a good relationship with themselves in the world, it's a stressful environment. But then you take someone who has struggled already with those things. How did you navigate that? And where did it affect you like as a bride? So I think, you know, there's like two different categories for me. There's the body image and then there's the anxiety. And like those two things affect me very differently. The body image, previous body image issues really do get brought up when you're a bride. I mean, I could lie and say like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been recovered from my eating disorder for years and years and nothing ever came up. But like the one way that's the best way to describe it is you go, you find your perfect wedding dress that you love so much. You try it on, they order your size, and then months and months later, you're supposed to go back and fit into that wedding dress. That day, like the first fitting is potentially an insanely triggering day. Like I went into that day and I had those thoughts again, those past thoughts of if I do not fit into this dress because I don't know how much I weigh, I don't know if I, you know, if my body has changed, I don't pay attention anymore. But I told myself, I was like, if I don't fit into this dress, I'm going to break down. Like I'm going to break down because it's first of all, a very expensive, beautiful dress. But second of all, that's like, you know, when people say they get really affected when they go to try on some of their clothes and they don't fit anymore, which Mm -hmm. is totally, it's like that times like a thousand. When I went to my fitting, obviously that didn't happen, but those thoughts were in the back of my head of like, oh my goodness. And then there's the people that are telling you that they're losing weight for your wedding. I don't know if that's happened to you Mm -hmm. yet, but I've had some people be like, my goal weight for your wedding is blank. I don't want to say I'm glad that that happened to you, but I'm glad that another person who's so vocal about being against that still has people in their life who don't connect the freaking dots. Of course, I have that in in my life. People who like literally it's their goal and they're just a different, you just can't even like have the conversation to pretend I didn't hear it. It's crazy. And I mean, I don't think people mean harm by it in any way. Like I think people do, you know, put pressure on themselves to look good for big events and that's fine. But like when you start hearing that, you know, left and right, you start to think about it a lot and you're like, well, wait, like, should I be changing my appearance for my wedding? Or, you know, you see stuff on social media of, I got Botox before my wedding or I was considering getting Botox. I've never had Botox. I don't judge anyone who gets Botox, but I'm afraid of Botox. Like it's like something I'm very afraid of because I just, I was in science and I know how like it works in your skin anyways. And I was like, maybe I need to get Botox so my face doesn't move and I don't make any ugly faces on my wedding day. How sad is that? Like you're making me feel so 
scene right now because I, in the past few weeks, because my wedding is in a few weeks, have really more than ever in the past four or five years of like having a good relationship with my body, had so many thoughts of, well, should we just lose a few pounds before the wedding? Like you're only going to have one and then you can get back into this like intuitive eating healthy relationship or should we? Like I went to my first fitting and the dress fit, but I started to be like, "Mm, would I look better if I lost weight in my arms? Like those were thoughts coming into my mind. And then I had to walk myself down the train of, okay, no, we're not going to go on a diet and focus all on food to try to spot lose weight on our arms, which isn't going to happen. And then you're going to be miserable. I like took myself down the train and was like not happening, but more than ever, I felt self-conscious of my body. Like, should I just do something to it for this one hurrah? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's like incredibly common. I mean, that's like, I know that. So in my experience, I started getting really, really bad anxiety leading up to the wedding, which led to me like unintentionally losing weight, very unintentionally, like just very sick and not like a happy thing. But I had people who thought that I was losing weight the wedding and like had made comments about it like oh have you dropped weight because your wedding's coming up and I'm like that is how normalized it is that is like it's so normal for brides to be expected to be as small as possible like make themselves disappear for the most important day of their lives how does that make any sense yeah I also lose my appetite when I'm anxious and like this is so bad to say but this is real pod and so we're just like being honest I've heard brides say that they get anxious before their weddings and they lose weight because they're anxious. And like, I've had thoughts in my mind, like, oh, that would be nice. And then I'm like, Victoria, like, why are you thinking that? Like, we know that small isn't better. We know that shrinking isn't better. Like, it's just this voice that comes in that like, it's like the devil on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. It's always there too. Like, it doesn't matter how much work you kind of put in or how past it you are. Like that voice exists. It's just more the importance of like watching the thought and then letting it go and like just, you know, letting it pass through time and like not making like a huge deal out of it. But yeah, the the anxiety and like losing weight thing is so, so real. I know on my wedding day, like my boobs, <laughs> so dumb, but my boobs like didn't fit into my dress, right? So I was like nervous when I was bending over and stuff that like you could like see the gap. And that was like not ideal obviously like I was like I want to like fit into this like a glass slipper or whatever but the anxiety leading up to the wedding is just something that I never ever thought would happen to me okay when I tell you all that I wouldn't promote something I didn't actually use I mean it this sponsor is the perfect example of it because I use it every single day specifically every single morning like clockwork so does max okay it is athletic greens Now, what is Athletic Greens? It's a greens powder that you mix with water and you drink it in the morning. And when you drink it, you absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So this special blend supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, literally all of the things. I personally love AG1 because... It's just a great way to mentally check the box of giving your body some of its most important nutrients. AG1 makes it so, so easy. You literally do one scoop of the powder, you put it in a cup, you add water, you mix, you shake, whatever you want, and you drink it. It is that easy. 
Athletic Greens is vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no artificial anything. And I think it still tastes good. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving RealPod listeners a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. That's athleticgreens.com slash RealPod for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance today at athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. Our next sponsor today is Karma Water. Because listen to this. I didn't know that the vitamins and probiotics in pre-mixed drinks and like kombuchas deteriorate over time. So like those are like pre-mixed. So the more that they sit in your fridge or they sit at the store, all the good stuff deteriorates. Whereas Karma Water stores the probiotics, vitamins, antioxidants, and adaptogens in a patent protective push cap that infuses the ingredients just seconds before drinking. It's actually really fun. Max and I just got a box of Karma Water and you use this push cap. So you just push your thumb down and then bam, all these nutrients are delivered at peak potency into the water. You shake, 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 and you can deliver the greatest health benefits to you. Just peel, push, and shake. They have so many flavors as well, like strawberry lemonade, which is my personal favorite, berry cherry, kiwi melon, blueberry lemonade, ooh, blueberry lemonade, and tropical coconut. The brand currently has two lines, Karma Probiotic Water and Karma Wellness Water, which are each formulated to deliver distinct wellness benefits in a variety of natural and tropical flavors that I just mentioned. And exciting news because Karma Water is also coming out with a CBD line later this year. I will definitely need to try that. Karma Water is vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, lactose-free, as well as free of preservatives, and artificial colors and sweeteners. So if you had food sensitivity or food allergies, hopefully you shouldn't have to worry about anything with Karma Water. Receive 20% off a case of Karma Water now when you go to drinkkarma.com slash realpod. That's 20% off if you go to drinkkarma, D-R-I-N-K-K-A-R-M-A dot com slash realpod to receive 20% off a case of Karma Water now. Obviously, you and Brad are so meant to be. So you're not feeling anxious about your relationship. That's not what you're questioning. So when you really think about it, like what was it? And maybe we can rewind to, I remember you getting so excited for your bachelorette party and you had a unique experience at that that you don't see a lot on Instagram. And I think it's, you know, powerful for you to share that. I was, you know, it's funny, like I come from this world of trying to be relatable in my content and I genuinely had the best bachelorette weekend. And a part of me was like, damn, I wish something bad happened so I could relate to more people. But it was really a great weekend. So can you give us, you know, a different side of of how that went struggling with anxiety? Yeah. So I think basically like what happened is I've always had panic attacks and I've always struggled with anxiety, you know, since I was a kid. But what happened is I kind of like forced myself into overdrive with wedding planning and I was, you know, being so productive, getting so much stuff done and like kind of building up my stress hormones over time that I didn't really notice when I had like stopped really taking care of myself. And so my bachelorette party was like a huge low point for me. Basically what happened is I'd been going, 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 going nonstop for months and I get to Miami and I'm supposed to have fun. And my brain is like, 
fun. I don't know how to slow down. I don't know how to not be like cleaning or planning or working and doing all these things. You want to have fun tonight? No way. So night one of my bachelorette party, I get there. I'm having a great time at first. We go out to dinner and I have the worst panic attack of my life. And trigger warning if you, you know, have phobias of vomiting, but I had to leave dinner early. Everyone was like, what is going on? I went back to the hotel room and I got in the shower and I was throwing up all over myself in the shower all night from how bad this panic attack was. It was honestly traumatizing for me. I, that was the night one of my bachelorette. So then I had to spend the rest of the weekend in Miami pretending to have the time of my life, trying not to disappoint my like wonderful bridesmaids who were having a ton of fun. I didn't go out a single time. I stayed in and took my prescribed Xanax every single night to put myself to sleep. I felt like I was like shaking all day. I have never been so low. And when I got back from my bachelorette party, I had to start like upping my medication, seeing a doctor, like, I mean, truly probably the worst week of my life. And that's so sad because it's supposed to be like the best time Mm -hmm. ever. But I think that it was a combination of, you know, like putting my needs aside for so long and then having it all come to this like special weekend that is supposed to be like so good and so amazing. And ironically, it was just horrible. I'm so sorry. Even here, I know we talked about this on the phone, but even hearing it again, like, God, it sucks. Like, cause everyone deserves to have this amazing weekend. Like you deserve that. So when you like sit back and you think about it, is it something you think like you could have noticed in yourself and prevented? Are you like, that was inevitable for me. It would have happened no matter what I was doing that weekend. You know, I started thinking about that a lot more recently because I'm working really hard right now to address my anxiety and kind of try to figure out where the tipping point was in my life that really led to this. And I started to realize that even weeks before the bachelorette party, I started getting kind of like odd behaviors again. So I don't want to like put any labels out there, but some, some of my like anxiety thoughts are a little bit more spicy, like a little bit weirder than like normal anxiety thoughts. But like, I started getting a lot of anxiety about restaurants. I don't know why it had nothing to do with the eating aspect of it, but I started getting anxiety about like being in a crowded place where everyone is like not talking because everyone's eating. Instead, I started getting a little bit of anxiety about alcohol because I started convincing myself that if I drink alcohol, I can't take my Xanax because they, they mix poorly. And so I started getting anxious about ever drinking. And so there were definitely signs, like there were a hundred percent signs and I could feel it, but I thought I could kind of just ignore it and like keep pushing through. And then I would address it after my wedding, right? Like I was like, just go away, stay to the side. Like I'll deal with you later. And obviously that's not how mental health works. So. Right. How were your best friends on the trip? Like, how did they support you? How did they know what to do? Because it's also any bachelorette party, regardless of if you are even at the dinner, enjoying it with them, or you're back at the hotel room, like really struggling, you know, it's like the friends don't know, should I, should I be out here partying? Cause she, cause she said, enjoy it, but is she lying? And she really, it's a test and she wants us there. Like, how did they support you? How did you navigate that? Yeah. So one thing that was good is I have two sisters and a niece who is 20 years old. So my niece was already not going out because she's underage and my sisters obviously are family. So they kind of knew more how to take care of me. And then my friends were so sweet. Like one of my best friends be the first night she like rubbed my back to sleep when I was like, 
curled up in bed, like sobbing. Like Stop, I'm they cry. were just so sweet to me. And on I, every night they were like, what do you want us to do? And I think we stayed in one night. I think it was Friday night. We all stayed in, we played games and that was actually really fun. That was like a good part of the night for me, of the weekend for me. But I told them, I was like, listen, like someone's got to go have fun. Like I truly do not want you guys missing out on this. Not only because, you know, I want you guys to have fun, but also because like you guys spent money on this. Like you spent money on your plane tickets to come here. And I don't want it to be like, lame for you and so they all went out and they had a great time and I remember one day this was so funny I was waking up super early and going for like really long walks on the beach to like help my anxiety and I I go down at like 7 a.m to the hotel lobby and I run into one of my bridesmaids coming home from the club like holding her shoes like makeup all messed up and I'm like I'm going out to do my anxiety walk but like you're like that should have been me (laughs) I know like part of me was like but I was like no I'm so happy that they still had a good time and to them it was still like a special weekend and I feel like they really deserved a special weekend so I'm happy about it when something happens in the wedding process that doesn't go to plan and you're on the other side like it wasn't the weekend of my dreams how do you cope with that how do you navigate your inner dialogue you know, and not feel even worse. Cause it's like, first you're having these bad feelings and then it's on top of it, the self-talk of, I can't believe I ruined this day or my day this. It's like, that's how people, when they struggle with mental health, they start to get mad at themselves. Like they had a choice, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, honestly, for a while after my bachelor party, I was in pure survival mode. So I didn't even have a chance to like get sad or disappointed about it yet. Right. Like I was still struggling when I got home. So like I was more so like, how am I going to not die from this? Even though obviously it's not possible, but I was like, how am I going to not die from this? And then eventually it was kind of like a grieving process almost. Like you have this vision of what you wanted to experience. It didn't go that way. You feel like you're never going to get that back because you're not, let's be honest. You know, we can say like, oh, maybe you could do like a second, but no, you're not going to. So you do have to grieve. I mean, it's true. Like I, I have 12 bridesmaids. So like to get them all back in one place, right. that again, it's never going to happen. And you just kind of grieve and like, take it for what it is. Like I try to be at least grateful for the things that do go right and, and try to focus more on that. And even with, you know, my wedding day, like there are things that went wrong and, and there's things that are continuing to go wrong, but like, it's more so just about seeing like really practicing gratitude. I love that. And something I know you did is you made some changes to like the future plans. After this bachelorette experience, you shifted your honeymoon and you adjusted some wedding things like sleeping at home the night before. Can you share some of that with us so people know like how you you set yourself up to have a better experience on the wedding? Yes, definitely. And I also want to share it because the more vocal I become about it, like the more I actually find other brides that have experienced the same thing. And so basically what happened was my anxiety got really bad. The week after my bachelorette party, I had to either confirm or cancel my honeymoon with my travel agent. That was the week I had to do it. And like I said, that week I was struggling so bad. And I talked to my husband about it and just kind of said, like, Sorry, quick pause for that. I've never heard you say that to me, guys. You're going to react to that. <laughs> but I said, you know, like, what do we do? Like, it was going to be his first time in Europe, and I'm from France, and, like, he was really excited. And he was kind of like, 
why would we go on a honeymoon if you don't know if you're going to be able to enjoy it? Like, and he made me feel so much better about that because I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, why would we spend all this money to go on this amazing honeymoon when right now I'm unsure of whether or not I'm going to be, or going to have to be like hopped up on pills to enjoy myself. Like, that's so sad. So he was like, we have all the time in the world. Like, that's the point of marriage. We're together forever. We can always go on a trip. And so I canceled my honeymoon. There's no like date yet. Like there's no new date because I'm not better yet. I can't, I don't travel well with my anxiety. I have a lot of like flight anxiety anyways. And like, I just don't travel well. I haven't traveled since the bachelorette party. So that's something I changed. And then another thing that we changed is we spent the night in our house the night before the wedding together. That wasn't the plan at all. The plan was to spend the night in our South where our wedding is at his parents' house. That, I mean, we were always going to spend the night together, but that was the plan. And instead, like the rehearsal that happened, I went to the bathroom at that point. Like I was working really hard on this thing called the dare response. If anyone struggles with panic attacks, it's so huge. But I went to the bathroom, put on my headphones, had a panic attack in the stall, went back out to my rehearsal dinner, talked to everyone, had a glass of champagne. And then I was like, yeah, let's go sleep in our own bed tonight. Oh my gosh. Wait, what's the dare response? The dare response is this book that was written by, I don't want to butcher his last name. His name's Barry. And basically he's this man that started developing a lot of really bad anxiety symptoms, including panic attacks. If anxiety is a six out of 10, a panic attack is a 10 out of 10. It's as bad as anxiety can get. And what happens is your body creates this like insane rush of adrenaline and the adrenaline, no matter how logically you want to think, your body is telling you that you're about to die. That's the point of the adrenaline response is to tell you run from that bear, like swim as fast as you can, whatever. And so when you have really physical panic attacks, it's so difficult to just kind of be like, okay, relax or like ground yourself or like whatever. And what you want to do is you want to fight the feeling And when you start fighting that feeling, you get in this loop, okay? So that's how you end up puking on yourself in the shower at your own bachelorette party. But basically, (laughs) this man went through some really hard times and he discovered kind of like guidebook that he created that's called the dare response. And the idea is to allow your anxiety to be there. It's very, it sounds super twisted, but basically when you start feeling anxious or you start feeling that wave of like a panic attack, you're just like, yep, there you are. And you just kind of say, you're welcome to stay. You can absolutely stay here if you want. I got stuff to do, but you you hang out in the pit of my stomach. You hang out in my spinning head. You hang out in my throat that's closing. And just kind of being like, I'm accepting this. I just talked like uh, so much, but I really love this book. It's such valuable information because when people say, just slow down and take deep breaths, it's like, okay, what if that doesn't work? You know? Definitely. And also this is probably good information for brides specifically, but The night before my wedding, this is so embarrassing, whatever. The night before my wedding, I was really anxious, obviously. And I actually messaged one of the like coaches of the dare response and was like, I am getting married tomorrow. I am terrified that I will not be able to enjoy the day because of my anxiety. Like absolutely terrified that this moment is going to be ruined. And she, her name is Michelle. She DM me back and she was like, your first step in being wrong is saying, if I'm anxious, I will not be able to enjoy the day. And she said, you need to experience your anxiety alongside your joy. So let the anxiety be there, 
let the nerves be there. That does not mean that joy cannot also exist. Excitement cannot also exist right there next to each other. And that changed everything for me and made me be able to have the best day of my entire life. Oh, I love that advice. I actually just had something similar said to me by my therapist because my bridal shower was the day after we lost a constitutional right to our bodies. So, I mean, that was just horrific. And the next day I'm supposed to snap off into this little world where everything's perfect and not think about the fact that like we just lost a right and like how many women this will affect. And I went into therapy, like, I think I did a really good job of like, I did my breathing. I compartmentalized. I put my feelings about that away and I enjoyed the shower. And she was like, well, you can be happy and sad at the same time. And she told me exactly what you just told me. And Mm -hmm. I had the same thought, like, oh my gosh, you can be happy and sad. And she was like, yeah, think of sometimes you've been both happy and sad in your life. It's like, what about graduation? You're so happy that you've done this thing, but it's bittersweet. And it's like, oh yeah, we can allow our emotions to coexist. Yes. And that's so huge because I personally have a lot of issues like feeling emotions very strongly. And so I feel like how you did, you know, during your bridal shower of like, I have to put this one away so I can feel this one when really there's no, there's no rules to your emotions. I mean, it's in your own brain. It's in your own heart. Like things can coexist so well if you let them. And I think that's probably honestly my number one advice to brides is you're going to be nervous. It's your wedding day. You're a hundred percent going to be nervous, but let the nerves exist alongside your joy. So I love that. I think it's so true. Shifting gears to just general bridal culture of things like, oh my gosh, all of your bridesmaids should text you every day asking you how the wedding is and checking in. And Claire's rolling her eyes. And I don't know, like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Or you should feel like a princess and everyone. I mean, some of this stuff is just ridiculous. And then you think that it needs to happen for you. I mean, what were some things that you were either like disappointed by because of the hype of bridal culture or you knew from the start were just ridiculous and you weren't going to buy in? So honestly, I wouldn't say that I knew from the start anything was ridiculous because I'm definitely easily influenced, but I probably learned on my own. I think one huge, huge thing that nobody ever talks about is the groom crying because that is a huge, huge amount of pressure on brides. And like, it's kind of like taboo to bring up because it's like, oh yeah. I'm so glad that you did. Because, okay, I was really stressed out. Brad is not a crier, okay? I have seen him cry probably two to three times in our entire four years together. He does not cry. He does not cry of happiness. He doesn't cry of sadness. He doesn't cry of anger. And I was like, I told him, I was like, you better fucking cry. When I walked down the aisle, (laughs) you better cry. And he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm going to be so mad. And he, you know, he like teared up and kind of like got all like choked up, but he didn't drop a tear. There was no actual physical tear there. He didn't drop a tear. No tears dropped. And it's like, you know, you're like, who cares? But people are, you know, very judgy about that. Like, people's reactions to, especially when your life is online, you know, no one's judged Brad's reaction per se, but I'll see like a beautiful wedding video and they're like, looks like the groom hates her or like, looks like the groom, like, is just like, could not be less interested. 
And I think that's like a, a huge, huge, you know, bridal culture kind of like pressury thing is like the groom, the groom has to cry. It's so true. And it's so funny because Max will be so sweet. We'll be like in little moments in our little life and he'll like tear up about how much he loves me and like cry a little. But it's like, I, but at our engagement, he didn't cry at all. He was like unfazed because he had so much adrenaline. And so I don't know, like, I also don't know if he'll cry either. But of course, like, I make jokes about it all the time. And like, we're not doing a first look. So I'm like, you better cry. Otherwise, why don't we take these photos beforehand and like fix the whole itinerary of the day? You know, but who knows? I, I know he'll cry during our vows. So I'm like, whatever, that'll give it to me. But you're right. That's another expectation put on it. And I just think it's so important to like check ourselves on like, what is realistic and what's outside of our control? You know, something I've dealt with. I, are you the first of your friends? I forget. Yeah. Your friend group. Yes. Okay. So I don't know how you feel about this, but my friends have been like amazing. I mean, they've gone above and beyond for me. There is an element of just not knowing, you know, I wouldn't know what questions to ask if I'd never been to a fitting. I wouldn't know that the font on the invitation is something a bride wants a compliment on because it took three days to decide the font. You know, so I've had to have these conversations with myself of like, not everyone's going to say something about everything because you just don't know how to show up for someone in an, an experience that you've never had before. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something I think being the first bride too, I've had to think about a little bit is like, there are things I didn't even know until now I'm doing them. And I want to text my cousin and be like, yo, I'm so sorry I was in your wedding three years ago when I was in college and I just feel like I didn't do enough because I didn't get it, you know? Yes, definitely. I felt the same way about my sister got married three years ago and I look back now and I'm like, wow, I was a horrible bridesmaid because I didn't like do anything. But yeah, that's a, that's something that people don't usually talk about. Like being the first kind of sucks. Like I felt a lot of times like, my bridesmaids didn't care about the wedding, to be honest with you. I love them so much and I know they love me and care about me. But the fact of the matter is like, no one cares about your wedding as much as you do. I mean, truly no one cares. And that sounds mean. That sounds really mean. They're happy for you. They're so happy for you, but they don't care that much because it's not their wedding day. Just like you probably won't care that much when it's their wedding day. I mean, I think you're spitting straight facts and people have lives. They have lives. They don't sit around thinking about someone else's wedding, even even your best, best, best friends. And it's so true. And like, I'm so glad my mom has been like my rock in this process. And like, we know we talk about everything together, but and she'll say to me, too, it's like people have lives like they're just not thinking about it. And I mean, I have enjoyed being first from the standpoint of like, there's so much excitement for everything because no one's done it before. You can't like, there's pros and cons to being in the middle, to being the last of your friends. Like, so yeah, but I think in general, just like really checking yourself on, it's so unrealistic to think that as the bride, everyone's going to be calling me and fawning around me and asking me, like, I wouldn't even want that. I don't even want to talk. I I tell one friend on the phone, I don't want to tell five of you again. Like, go ask her for the notes. Like, you know, we we think that we need to have things, but we wouldn't even enjoy them. It's like, would I want this because I want it or because I this is what people have told me a bride's experience is supposed to be? Right, exactly. And I'm part of my experience with like bridesmaids and, and not even just bridesmaids, but like people in the wedding 
is I started finding out that people were texting or calling other people like my maid of honor or like family members to ask questions about the wedding and to find stuff out instead of me because they didn't want to like bother the bride. And that's something that I didn't realize was happening. And I was kind of like, well, dang, like I thought nobody, you know, wanted to ask these questions or wanted to know more information. But really, sometimes people feel like they're going to be like annoying you or like you have too much on your plate to talk about things. And so I think it's just one of those things where, you know, like in any relationship, just communicating like what it is that would make you feel really valued or like and not having crazy expectations either. Like, again, it's not their wedding. They have lives. They have big career changes happening. They've got their own relationships happening. Like they have all this other stuff happening. And so at the end of the day, like I pretty much ended up planning my whole wedding myself, you know. On this same note, weddings really force you to draw lines in the sand, even if you never would have. Like, inviting someone versus not inviting them, inviting them to a bachelorette versus not, asking them to be a bridesmaid versus not, seeing if they show up and what time do they leave and what kind of gift do they bring and what do they write in their card. It really shows you how people feel about your relationship. And sometimes people surprise you and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know they loved me this much. Other Mm -hmm. times it's disappointing. Like, oh, I I was really bummed and I thought they'd show up differently here. So I know I've had those experiences. What has that been like for you? Yeah, I mean, that that is so true that it, it kind of like almost in a way like quantifies relationships. You know what I mean? Like it kind of like, I don't know, like you're saying, like you have to like draw that line in the sand. And like one thing that is something that may or may not happen to you, but I was told that it would definitely happen to me because it happens to every bride and it did happen to me is the people that RSVP and then, end up not coming last minute and like don't have an an excuse don't have like a good reason for it like right like they don't have like a family emergency or they're sick or anything they just kind of say like sorry can't come and (laughs) I don't even know what I'm trying to say about this but like that is one way that I would say like yeah that probably is a clear indication of how much that person values your relationship versus other stuff like a gift amount that is not like personal, right? Like that might be like financial towards something. If someone didn't get you a gift at all, like maybe they're really struggling financially, or maybe they don't know that that is like a normal thing to do. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't judge anybody based off of those things, but there are certain things that are like respectful or not respectful. And, and, and yeah, and like picking who is a bridesmaid and who's not a bridesmaid. And that's always tricky. I have a, or I had a million bridesmaids. So I obviously didn't draw that line <laughs> clearly. I was like, everyone just come. But you know, that stuff is really difficult. And I think a lot of people can get hurt. Like it's very easy to get hurt. Totally. And back to you saying no one cares about your wedding as much as you do. It's true but it's really hard to be in a place where you're like, this is the most important day of my life. And I've poured my heart and soul into this for months. And this person that I think is like a really good friend or whatnot, like isn't coming or isn't doing Mm -hmm. this. It's like, you know, it's like the reasonable part of you gets it. Like, you know, it's everyone's got stuff going on. But then like another part of you is like, it's my wedding. Like I thought you'd come, but I get it. Like I can imagine going to, I think about all the friends that I have, I'm gonna have to go to all their weddings and all their bachelor parties. I'm like, that's a lot. Like, you know, definitely. No, a hundred percent. But then there's definitely times where it's like, like, okay, I'll give you an example. I'll give you some tea just because yes. I don't 
Give us the tea. Whatever, listen, and I don't really care if they do. But my husband had a very, very close friend who he chose to not have in the wedding party. And I think that this person expected to be in the wedding party, but this person had previously been rude to me. So because of that, my husband was like, I obviously don't want him standing up there. And that was one of the people that was like, yeah, of course I'm coming. Of course I'm coming. And then bailed out last minute and did the same thing at another person's wedding that it was like the same scenario where the other person did not choose him to be in the wedding party. And he did the same thing. So in situations like that, I feel like that's like, okay, well, that person kind of just sucks. Or like that person's like thinking very selfishly here. So it just kind of depends. It's like by like individual situation, you know? Right. And you're like, I'm glad I didn't choose you to be a groomsman if you were one not pick away from just not even coming. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was so crazy. And like, it really hurt my husband too. Like, obviously, like that was really hurtful for him and made him feel very guilty too. And I don't think anyone should ever like feel like guilty about something they chose for their wedding day. Yeah. But it I also think communication is so key. Like, I don't like passivity. I don't like beating around the bush. Like, you know, to just communicate, like, and know what's a phone call versus what's a text and what's a, but I can take you to dinner sometime to hear about it versus never following up. Like, right. But it's, it's a lot and it's feelings get hurt and it's emotional and family, like the different ways that you have to include everyone in your family, but does that make you anxious and the different dynamics and if, if family doesn't come, you know, how that affects you and it's a lot. It's like the happiest time of your life, but also so many situations you wouldn't put yourself in if you didn't have to. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people like kind of, you know, think that it's like silly, right? They're like, it's a wedding. It's silly. It's not a serious life event, but especially for people who like have a certain degree of social anxiety or like anything like that, like a wedding really is like pushing you to your social limits. Like that's what it is. Planning a wedding pushes you to all of your social limits. And so for someone who might be like super extroverted and not have any issues in that area, they might, you know, maybe not struggle as much, but for someone like me, who's like super introverted, like really, really nervous, doesn't get social cues as well. Like it was a very stressful process. And in line with that, everyone's opinions, right? Like you should have done this. You should have done that. Why did you have this here? And why wasn't this here? And I mean, my mom and I are stressing out about if someone sits at a table and feels like their table's far away from the head table or the parents of the bride and groom, do they feel insulted and everyone's come in? I mean, how did you manage everyone's opinions and then finally just like kind of say, this is what we're doing and not everyone's going to love it? Yeah. So that I guess is kind of like one benefit in a weird way of me getting such bad anxiety leading up to the wedding is I was struggling so bad with anxiety the month leading up to the wedding that I was legitimately like, fuck it. Like I got to a point where I was like, I'm done planning this wedding. I'm not putting any more thought into this. You want to bring someone else? Bring them. You want to sit at a different table? Sit there. You want your kid? (laughs) Just like the most of them. Bring your dog. I literally was like, every time someone hit me up about something, I was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Like bring 50,000 people, like add these people. Like I literally was like, I don't care at all. What color do you want this to be? Don't care. You pick. I literally like was at that point where I was like, 
I can't do this anymore. I'm going absolutely nuts. My anxiety is so bad. I need to focus on myself. And so I just really, really had like a, I went from being super type A, like making PowerPoint spreadsheets, all of that to just absolutely losing control, letting myself lose control over the wedding. And it a hundred percent resulted in things not going as well. I didn't like, for example, one thing that I was semi disappointed about for my wedding is I didn't get a lot of the pictures that I wanted. And it's because, you know, that month leading up, I was planning on making this list of all the pictures I wanted to send to my photographer and get really specific. And I was like, I don't have the energy for this. I don't care. Whatever pictures show up, show up. And like after the wedding, I like look at the pictures and I was like, oh man, like I'm kind of disappointed about like not having like a portrait like of me and my husband. I was pretty disappointed about it. But then I was like, I don't like it just it's such an amazing day. I don't like, I know some people don't enjoy their wedding day, but for me, even with my anxiety being so bad, it was such a phenomenal day. I think about it all the time. And you know, the best part of the day, honestly, is leaving the wedding with your husband. Like that is the favorite part. I'm glad you brought this up because this is how I want to end the pod. So your wedding was amazing. You loved it. Like Tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, like my wedding day was just, I started off the day like being really anxious and I wasn't letting myself have any champagne or anything until later in the day. Right before the first look is when like I peaked like excitement, but also like anxiety wise. Like I was like, I was literally with my mom, like sobbing with her. Like she was like holding me like a baby. And I was like, oh my God, like where have the years gone? Like what is happening? Like I'm not okay. And then like I went out to the first look and my husband who literally never gets anxious was shaking. Seriously shaking. Wait, that's low-key better than a teardrop, the shaking. The physical body chills. Yeah, he was like, he was so nervous. And you know, after that, like that moment of seeing him was just like everything got so much better. And then and then I started drinking. I did have like a glass of champagne before the ceremony and I hadn't been drinking in a while. So during the ceremony, I will not lie. I was a little bit tipsy. Like I feel like no bride has probably ever admitted that, but I was tipsy during my wedding ceremony. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Hey, whatever you got to do to, to prevent the bachelorette shower, you know, 2.0. Yeah. And and it was so great. The ceremony, I was not like Actually, my favorite moment of the ceremony, besides the actual like marrying Brad part, was right before with my dad. You know that that special moment of like, you know, we were like holding hands, squeezing. My dad was sobbing like a baby, Aww. and he never cries. He was crying, and you know, I'm his last of four kids, so he was like, "Wow!" Like you know, just taking it all in. He said while we were walking, he said, slow down because we'll never get this moment back. And like, I think about that so often of just like how I really remember feeling in that moment, like, wow, like this is it. Like I'm never, you know, never getting this back, not in a bad way, but like a special way. Like this is it. This is what you wanted for so long. And, you know, seeing your husband when you're walking down the aisle, it's like, it's like an explosion. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm getting so giddy. And, and, and then like, you know, after the ceremony, then I started drinking and my wedding entrance, I actually just put it up on TikTok the other day, but my wedding entrance, I was wasted for. And for the rest of the night, I was wasted, but I had the best time. And it was just kind of like, I don't remember who was there. I don't remember who I talked to, not because I was drunk, but because there was so much love and it's, 
you know, one of the best parts of the wedding is seeing the smiles, not just on like your husband's face, but on everyone around you's face. The joy, it's like, it's almost like spiritual. Like you can like feel it. Like it's like lift everybody up. Everyone can't stop smiling. Everyone can't stop laughing. Like it's just such an amazing feeling. Even if the anxiety is right there next to it, it's such a beautiful feeling. People are crying with joy. People are, you know, telling you things that they have been wanting to tell you for years. Like I had some childhood friends there that came and hugged me and like, I was like sobbing with them. I hadn't seen them in years. And they were telling me, you know, I can't believe how much you've grown. And, and it's just a day where there's no limit on love. I'm going to like cry saying this, but like literally like there's like no limit on love from like your husband, from your family, from your friends. And, and I think that's what makes the wedding day special because you could go and elope and have that very beautiful, amazing, special moment with your husband. And I'm sure I would have been so happy to do that. But the special part of having a big wedding, which I know you're also having a big wedding, is the the kind of like magnitude of all the joy combined together. And it just, it's so unbeatable. And if I can say that after, again, puking on myself at my bachelorette party... <laughs> then I'm sure any brides listening can have hope that they will also have the best day of their lives. I literally love that. What a, what a perfect ending. Thank you for sharing all these personal details and experiences. So important to get a real take on the wedding planning experience, the bridal experience to kind of just shake up as much as you and I both grew up watching the rom-coms they don't paint the whole picture. So thanks, Claire. I love you. You're the best. And it's been so fun to kind of go through this at the same time. Yeah. So thanks for coming on RealPod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm literally so excited about your wedding. You're going to have the best time ever. It's going to be the most beautiful thing in the world. And anything that goes wrong, you won't even think twice about it. I mean, if anything goes wrong, it won't even matter because you'll be like, wow. Like, oh, I'm so excited to see you. Have your special. I got to pass that last part on to Lainey. Lainey, are you listening? Something will go wrong. It will be fine. No, I'm kidding. Okay, well, thanks so much. And you're the best. Aw, love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.